You do you are you much of a professional golf fan, like follower fan? You know what I mean? Uh I mean I do every now and again. I'm not like yeah crazy or anything. Did you like, know I heard PJ? Lydia Co got married and stuff, but like that's about Did, you really? Did I know that? Yeah. I don't know if I knew yeah. that. Just recently, but really. I feel mm-hmm. like I'll admit I'm not much of a, a professional golf watcher in general, so I don't feel as bad when I say I don't pay very much attention to the women's game or as much as I would like to, because honestly, I don't really pay much attention to the men's game either. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's it's not like, you know, like, for example, I know you've heard me talk about WNBA basketball and I watch WNBA basketball, college women's hoops, and it's because I really love basketball. Right? Did you see the Iowa that uh, Clark? Not. K- Caitlin Clark. She's yeah. filthy, though. She's filthy. Dang. She's really, really good. Uh, no, I, I I did not see that game, but I saw she, I mean, every night she's doing something ridiculous, but yeah. I, I didn't see the latest one. Um, but like when Tiger was playing, you know, I'd watch a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of a PJ Tour event. Now it's like, I might check out the might back nine on Sunday. Oh. Yeah, just maybe, <laughs> maybe. Like if, 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 if I hear that somebody interesting is leading or something like that, I may see how it finishes. But other than that, you will not catch me on a Thursday afternoon watching professional golf for the most part you know it, it, it kind of just depends but um so yeah they're supposed they're at uh they're at Kapalua this week um century tournament of champions da, 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 you got all all that the defending champion is on the live tour so he can't play which is kind of comical because <laughs> that was playing, one of the, they're allowed to play in the masters right yeah they're allowed to play in the masters and and i believe they're probably going to be able to play in the other majors too until they no longer qualify that's probably how they'll, they'll go but it'll be as interesting you know Everybody gets excited, or at least the golf sickos and those that follow professional golf are getting all excited about. Okay, what's this year gonna gonna bring, and what's Rory gonna do, and da 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 da. And right, I saw someone it. had like picks of like, who do you think is gonna be number one? Rory, yeah. just JT. Yeah, and everybody gets so excited about it. And, and and I saw a good tweet today. I think it was that was like, at you know, it was like, what was it? At this point last year, Scotty Scheffler had zero tour wins, right? And then it was, I think, at this point last year, Tom Kim had no tour status. Uh, at this point in, the, in uh, last year, Cam Smith was outside of the top 20 in the world. Like that kind of, it's like you have no idea what's going to happen in a year of professional yep. golf or golf in, in, uh, in, in general. So like it will be interesting to to kind of follow it from a storyline standpoint of of kind of how the year unfolds. Because I think a lot of people are really high on, I mean, I'm high on Rory too in the end of the year pretty well, so. Um, it'll, I mean, it'll who be... can't, you know, I mean, Rory... he's fun to root for. In is. my opinion, he's fun he to root is. for. He's it's fun to watch him play. You know, everybody wants to hit the ball far and straight. And I feel like that's Rory's best quality. So it's, <laughs> it's just really like it's fun to watch. Like, you know, his swing is fun to watch. It really what, is. Didn't Tiger even tell. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Tell Charlie, Charlie once he's like, don't don't just <laughs> just yeah. watch his swing. Look at how yeah, balanced exactly. don't he watch is. mine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't watch fun. And, and and he's he's right. It's not like Tiger swings bad, but like oh when yeah, no. When we're talking modern golf, modern golf swings. Rory's is one. He's one one of the ones you would probably want to want to emulate the most for sure. So, so yeah, that, I'm I'm, I'm kind of excited to watch a little bit of golf because I I haven't watched a tournament in forever. So it'll be good. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon and welcome to the finals of the 2022 NCAA Golf Championship. Make it memorable, gentlemen. What's up and welcome, everybody, to this week's edition of the Golf Step Podcast. I am your host, Marcus L., and I am joined 
by Carolyn Kupchik. Hey, what's up? We uh, no Ian this week, so we got me and me and Carolyn just riding riding dolo double here um, for this week. This will be our this is our third rankings episode, right? Fourth rankings episode. I can't remember if we counted Lance as a, as its own rankings episode, but whatever. It's the, it's the Lance follow up. Let's call it that. Um, so yeah, we're we're gonna get away from maybe some of the nitty gritty where we talked about stroke differentials and 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 head to heads, and then like the you know what's the purpose of a ranking? And we'll start to get into more. You know, how does it play out? What are some things coaches can do differently? How can we view rankings in a way that um, where you can, can kind, of, kind of control what you what you think you can control at least? Um, so let's let's at least start just with, you know, I, I learned a lot from Lance. Um, again, a good friend of mine since, since I've been with Golfstat and, you know, everybody knows him in the college golf world at this point. But I, I had a good discussion with Lance and, and, and learned a lot on my end just about the similarities, differences uh, between the Golfstat and Golf Week ranking. Um his thoughts on rankings in general, you know, what they're for, why do we do them? How should they be, you know, constructed? You know, one thing I learned was that bars are very similar from a theory standpoint, at least, right. It really still is head to heads. And then, and then your stroke differential between those, uh, those opponents, but I'll, I'll throw it to Carolyn first, just to kind of get her reactions. Um, Obviously you listen to it. And for those of you that don't know, Carolyn does an awesome job of editing our podcast to make me sound good in particular. So she has listened to it probably multiple times. What uh, what what were maybe some of your takeaways from from that discussion with Lance? Um, I would definitely agree with it. It's it sounds very similar to ours, or at least what our main um, uh, the major points for our rankings are, which, you know, the how much or who you played and how much did you beat them by? It seemed like that was pretty much the majority of their rankings he did and I, I was trying to re-listen to this over and over again when he was describing or talking about the is it power ranking is power that, rating yeah, yeah, yeah. yes power, power rating. rating and I guess I just was in that was also in their equation and I was trying to follow him along with his whole math and example but could you explain that a little bit more or like do kind you of. understand that or I what f- I feel like I have a, a decent understanding of it based on how we how we described it so so, so, and, and this is a great question because I think this is the main difference between one of the main differences between the two, aside from the them not including uh, match play stuff like right. that, right? So, again, from from the most basic level, the things that we do the same are head to heads, stroke differential. Now, the difference is we use our head to heads and stroke differentials to give each team a percentage value against every single team. And then whoever has the most percent uh, percent or like whoever has the most percentages against each team, we just compile those and list them that way. Right. What essentially what they are doing, from my understanding, these power ratings are like a stroke spread. Right. So you can kind of list them in terms of who's supposed to beat who by the most. Right. So the number one team in the country is going to have the lowest power rating, basically saying that um, this team is favored when we're talking about betting lines and things of that nature. Essentially, that team should be favored against every team in the country if we were to say, um, you know, like a football game, Michigan and Ohio State, Michigan's negative three or something like that. Right. That like that. That's essentially what it's saying. So I, I think the one thing that he that he admitted that was kind of confusing and, and has confused me in the past, too, is that the power rating looks like a stroke. Uh, or like a stroke average yeah. or a scoring average. But yeah, I, I I think that's essentially what he was saying there, that they, you know, the power rating is essentially telling you how, how many sh- strokes kind of 
you would be like favored. an estimated in a sense. Kind of, yeah, I think so. It would be interesting to see. You know, I maybe should have had a follow up question there when he said, you know, it's not a stroke average, uh, the or at least the power rating isn't. Then what? You know, if if one team is power rated at seventy point four two and the number two team is seventy point five nine, what is that telling me? Right? Does that mean that the one team is is point one seven shots better, or what is? What does that mean yeah. when we look at that number? I think that that probably would have been a good follow-up question on my on, on my end to kind of figure out, yeah, if, if if you don't want us to look at it as a stroke differential that or as a stroke average or scoring average, then yet then then what what should we be viewing that power rating as? But yeah, that, that that's a good point there. Um in the main differences. And then they they don't at all, sorry, they don't at all use match play or um the other fancy match play. Metal match play. Metal match play. Thank you. So, I like is that the one you're talking about? The fancy match play. As to what that was called. <laughs> yeah, they they don't uh, they don't do either. Which again, and, and he and again he he said that too, and and I kind of reiterated it. That's that's the different um, seat that we sit in. You know, is that Lance and and I, maybe it's not just Lance, but for the most part, it seems like Lance and Lance alone gets to make the decision of what he needs to include in the ranking, right? Well, um, it also sounded like he just went to uh, Jeff, Jack, Joe. Sag- yeah, Sa- Sagarin. Yeah. yeah, Sagarin was just like, can you, can you make this? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so it's, it's, it's for sure, uh, Jeff Sagarin, you know, baby, his, his, his creation and he uses it for other sports. But when we talk about, you know, simply entering the, the results, you know, Lance decides what kind of results or what results gets in there. It's right. again, from my understanding, and he can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, the, the, you know, where we sit, we don't really get that option. You know what I mean? It's really more dictated by what the NCAA wants to include as results for their regional and national championship selections, right? So there is not a world at this point where they want to select a team um, for, you know, we'll use the Big 12 as example, the the, the event you were on site for, the Big 12 uh, match play championship where they have six rounds of match play, right? Like, I don't don't think the committee is going to want to look at, they're not going to want to compare teams with that event not in there or those event results like that, that stuff still matters to them. Now, again, there's, you know, as we discussed, there's arguments to be made of whether or not it can be accurately reflected in a ranking or whether it helps or hurts or this, that, and the other. But of course, you know, the committee wants to see that data in there as long as well as the other competitions that they played. So. Which just random quick side tangent. Do you think they would ever just not have, I know we, we said that we do like to see match plays at like the national championship and everything, Mm -hmm. but since there's not, I know how like they say that they want to kind of mimic the tour and stuff. How many match plays did tour players actually just one. play? Right. Just they, so then, yeah. Do you think they would ever just be like, you can't have like a match plays just going to be at the championship? I think there's certainly a, a scenario where that could happen. Just, to, just with the conversations that I've, and, and, and again, you got to think, you got to think what the committee is for, right? right? It These aren't, I can't remember how many is on each committee, but you know, there's, those aren't six independent people that are making their own decisions um, without hearing from other member institutions, right? They're supposed to be a representative of what everybody else wants. Right. So, you know, if if there is enough traction where coaches are saying we don't want match play in the rankings anymore, I'm pretty sure that would be the way it goes, and it'd be a pretty simple fix. You know what I mean? I don't. Would that like simplify our rankings a little bit or yeah I think or it would it make it i guess in a sense more accurate accurate with like uh quotes exactly to me to me that to me the accuracy thing would be it would it would 
it would make it more accurate if you're if, if the NCAA isn't counting match play as a as a countable format. You know, like so, you know, it, it's it's kind of that simple. If they do recognize it as a countable format, then it needs to go in the rank, right. in my opinion. You know, if they're not if it's if it's not if it's not gonna be a countable format, then no. Right. It's only it's it's only as accurate as what they want to see, I guess is what I'm saying. Gotcha. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I think I don't even know if that answered your question, but yes. Does that answer? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it, it did. It did. Okay. Okay. I, and the, it was just also too if it just made like our algorithm simpler in a sense. I don't like, think so. It doesn't change the algorithm. Gotcha. I, I really don't think so. I, and and again, we you know, we did this presentation, I think it was twenty seventeen, maybe at convention. It doesn't move the needle much. Right. right. I feel like our well, because then how many match plays actually happen per year? I mean, very, very few. You know, again, you've got the you you've got the two or three maybe at this point conference ones. You know, you've got on the men's side at least you've got like Earl Yestingmeyer that that uh, Ball State hosts. You've got Big Ten match play that we're at, Big Twelve match play that we're at. You've got the one round at SEC. You've got um, I can't remember if there's a couple others. I think on the women's side there's a couple out west during the same time that we do Big Ten. Um, I can't, oh man, like I feel like it's like out in Idaho or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it is, but, um, or, or in Wyoming, one of the two anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> but there's, there's not a whole lot of them. Right. And, and and again, like you can, you can make the argument that it's inaccurate because this team would have been there if it wouldn't have been there. No, it's sure. not inaccurate because of that. It's just simply saying you played another team. Therefore there's movement because of that head to head winner loss and stroke differential. Right. It's not, it's not the absence or presence of of it that makes it inaccurate it's just you put more data in there that's, yeah. that's why it moved you know that kind of thing so it, to me the red flag would be hey i played one team and i moved 20 spots because of it that would be a red flag not i played one team lost one comparative win you know what i mean that yeah. that 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 would kind of where i were that that's where i kind of stand on that one um so yeah i, I think the, the thing that interested me i think i asked him at one point if you um you know, because for us, we talk a lot about common opponents, right? And that's kind of going to be our focus for this episode of 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 the of the uh, of our ranking series is going to be the the importance of common opponents, um, how that kind of plays out, um, the differences between D one, D two, D three. That you know, again, that's a difference between our ranking and golf week as well. They only do D one men and women. They don't do D two, D three. We obviously do because they have a national championship, and D two has a regional as well, right? So we still got a the 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 NCAA there. Um, so the common opponent thing kind of does play out differently from D1 to D2 to D3, sometimes simply because of budget, right? Like some most D1 schools have a bigger budget than Hanover College, you, you know? So it's it's just going to play out differently as far as where you can travel. Um, but, but he said something interesting in there. So for us, like you've got to have 25 data points before you get uh, in order to, to like stop, right? So where you don't have to go to the tiebreakers. Um, I asked him if, what happens when you don't have enough common opponents, when you don't have enough connection? He's like, you don't, we don't, we don't do anything. Yeah. I do remember that part. Yeah. And he was like, the stroke spread kind of takes care of itself. So if you've never, if you've never played another team, it still kind of takes care of itself. Make it memorable gentlemen. So in, in our ranking, you need 25 data points or like 25 common opponents, head to heads, that kind of thing in order to not have to go to the tiebreakers. OK, when we say tiebreakers, that means um, we take a percentage of who's got a better adjusted scoring average, um, strength of schedule, and then their drop score, 
drop score is their fifth man score, right? So the score that's not going to count. But in 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 Lance's ranking or in the golf week ranking, he alluded to a thing of you know when I asked him um, what happens when you don't have enough common opponents when you don't have enough connections, and he said we don't have a tiebreaker, don't need one, right? Because the stroke spread essentially takes care of itself. So I, from from what I think he's saying there, so like we we will have an odd situation, and this doesn't happen very much at the D one level. Happens every once in a while at the D two level. Happens more often at the D3 level, but again, don't be alarmed. Doesn't happen all the time. And I'll explain why in a little bit where a team doesn't has never played another team and also does not have any common opponents. Right. So and and you can imagine why. Let's say again, we're going to speak specifically D3. Let's say um, pick it. Let's say Methodist somewhere out in California or sorry, in, in Carolina hasn't played uh, somebody in the Pacific Northwest, haven't played or out West in general, hasn't played George Fox, right? Probably because of budgetary restrictions, not saying that's the case for these two, but let's just say it's probably, you know, we can't travel that far. We got to, uh, you know, at the D3 level, it's not the same cash flow. Okay. Um, if you haven't played any team or if you haven't played that team and you haven't um, played any similar teams, it goes directly to those tiebreakers. Okay. I it's obviously not the best indicator of who's a better team. Just simply looking at adjusted scoring average, drop score and strength of schedule. It gives you a glimpse. Again, what I always say is that's still only one comparative win, right? So you still have to be better than that other team 295 more times, right? So when we're comparing you to every other team. So in the, in the grand scheme of things, it's one comparative win. Yes, that can be the difference between spot 54 and 55. I get that, but it's not moving the needle that much. And again, it doesn't happen very much at the D2 or D3 level or D1 level either. So what Lance was kind of alluding to is in those same situations, which again, keep in mind, they only do a D1 ranking. So it's probably not as common anyway, right? Because they're not dealing with the same... Um, kind of spread, I guess, spread out as as D, uh, if if they were to do a D three ranking, but they don't they don't have a tiebreaker. So essentially, again, if I'm understanding this correctly, they can just kind of look at the spread, or the spread kind of takes care of itself. And saying, okay, if I'm X shots better than this team, even if I haven't played this other team, I can still kind of say that this team is X shots better than that. Therefore, I'm X shots better than this. That kind of thing. So it's not necessarily the the presence of a common opponent but they can be connected because they each have a stroke spread against another team. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that, that, that was kind of fascinating to me. Um, which again, I, I think that speaks to, again, if the main difference being we value the same things, but we spit out the ranking a little bit differently. They're looking at a stroke spread. We're looking at the percent of data that's in your favor against every single team. Right. And then, and then rank them that way. That's kind of the difference. I think it still gets us kind of in the same place. As you can obviously see, if you go check both websites, you're going to see the same top five, six, seven teams. You're going to see the same teams in the middle pack. It's all very, very similar. So even if there's different theories of how we get to where we get or how the, you know, what does it say, how the sausage is made or whatever, it still kind of tastes the same if we're still talking about sausages. You know, so it's... (laughs) (laughs) I just... First off, I then started thinking of Polish sausage versus Italian sausage and then chorizo. And I'm like, oh, my God, what are we talking about here? I had to to keep going with the sausage reference there. Make it memorable, gentlemen. So let's let's focus on the golf stat ranking for a little bit and really just talk about the common opponents thing. Okay, so I've I've heard many a time that um, 
from from coaches that if you you know if you've played a team x amount of times you shouldn't have to have common opponents okay you shouldn't it shouldn't it shouldn't have to go to a common opponent filter so let's say me and carolyn have played each other three times carolyn's beat me all three times by an average of two shots per round let's just call that what, what it is um our ranking would still go to get some common opponents right we need there's more da- data available so let's use that data to see okay now Typically, what's going to happen, right, if I've played you three times, we will have quite a few common opponents in those three meetups that are the same in the same one. So if you beat me three times, you probably also beat the teams that I beat. Does that make sense? Because we yeah. played in the same tournament during those three those three times. So it's typically going to work out in the same kind of fashion, but we still go get those common opponents. So sometimes I'll have coaches say, Hey, if I've beaten that team three times, there's no need to look at common opponents. I don't think that to be a good thing. If there's more data available, because you can have a situation. What do we do when you're one and oh, right. And maybe there were six teams in that field, but we've also played in six other tournaments with very similar opponents, AKA common opponents. Um, and that didn't play out the same way. Maybe I've beaten 25 of those teams and you've lost to 25 of those teams because they were separate tournaments. Now we're getting a different picture of who's better, right? Because maybe you caught me on that one day and you're 1-0, one and oh against me. But when we look at our full body of work, now I've got more head to head wins and better stroke differentials against the same teams that you've played. How do we value that? Who's better? What does that tell us? Right? I don't think, um, or, and I guess it doesn't really matter what I think at this point, but what the ranking essentially is, is telling us is that all that data is important, regardless of whether you've got four wins against the team, you've got one wins against the team, or you've never played a team in competition. The common opponents are still very, very important, right? Because it tells us more. There's nothing wrong with getting more, nothing wrong with having more information that can help us make better, more sound decisions. Okay, especially when we're trying to allocate allocate who's got more percentage or who's got more of the data in their favor, right? That stuff is important. Now, let's talk about the value of common opponents, um, and kind of what they mean. How 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 you can use your common opponents to somewhat somewhat evaluate where a team will or won't be. Okay, so here's 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 one of the things I always say. I, I always kind of tell coaches that when we're talking about here, we go with the scheduling thing. Again, when we talk about the scheduling thing, I always tell them to play, you know, schedule as hard as you can and play as many different teams as you can. Right. So you want to play as many top quality teams as you can, but you also want to spread out your common opponents. Okay. Again, much easier said than done. When we talk about D one, D two, D three, that's the main difference I see um, some of it, honestly, some of it because of NCAA rules and, and how they do their selections. And some because of, again, like we being completely honest, budgetary restrictions, right? Just can't travel as much, not as many private jets, that kind of thing. Um, so like, for example, at the D, at the, uh, at the D2 level, everything is very regionalized because their regionals are regionalized, right? And we see that every year where, you know, again, at the D1 level, it's the S curve and everybody gets sent to a different regional. You could be Iowa, you know, you, you, you may play golf or Iowa, but you could be up uh, playing at uh, Palooza Ridge or something like that, or, or, or uh, up in Pullman playing in, uh, in Washington, something like that. Right. You, you're not going to play in your region. Now in D2, if you make it to regional and you are in Florida, you're going to play in a regional with all the other Florida teams. Right. 
it is region specific. There's a very big emphasis on region play at D2. Okay. Then you kind of trickle it down to D3. Not that there's an emphasis in region play. There still is, right? But a lot of why you're staying in your region is because that's where the that's where your bus can go, right? That's where your your pat your six passenger van or twelve passenger van can go, right? So when I played at Hanover, we weren't really going outside of Indiana, Kentucky, and Ohio. Wasn't it true too? Like some you you can only spend one night, or yes, like you're yep. only like there. It, it's like there's a restriction on how many nights you can even be away from campus. Yep. yep, there was a restriction on how many nights. So I'm trying to think too. We yeah, I I think we only did maybe a couple overnight trips per year as well. Like there were very many um, that you know you know we were in Hanover, so that's Southern Indiana, you know, 45 minutes north of Louisville. If we had a tournament in Lexington. We were definitely driving down the morning of coming back to campus. And if we had to play again tomorrow, we'd drive back down to Lexington. We weren't staying overnight, you know, that that kind of thing. You know, so yeah, w- what that means from a ranking standpoint is all of your head-to-heads and common opponents are going to be in Kentucky, Indiana, and Ohio. Unless teams are coming to you, you're very limited in who your common opponents are, right? So, you, you know, when we're looking at, you know, the HCAC, you're you're comparing teams at this point that are all in the same region. What do we do with those once we get to, you know, how do we compare that team to, again, to to a different region out west or somewhere south when we're talking about a team in Texas or now we're talking about a D3 team out in Carolina, a D3 team out in, in Florida, okay? Uh, I always, and that's, again, why I always advocate for um, playing as many different teams as you can because it's going it's going to give you the best chance of of getting percentages in your favor of having common opponents against teams that you may not have seen even if you play one or two teams out west now you've got a connection to 10 teams out west simply because you've got two common opponents now now that opens up other things we see it all the time with um rank we talk about it we talked about it uh, in, in the fall with rankings movement at some of these national d3 tournaments like the d3 preview or jekyll island or something like that where teams from across regions start to gather it's because now they're getting those common opponents for the first time outside of their region okay it allows you to kind of unlock um and not depend on those tiebreakers right when you're like if you're if you're not getting common opponents from outside of your region you're essentially just depending on the tiebreakers at that point it's it's you do hear at least i've heard a few times now for the year that i've been here um that coaches they'll be like well you know we played you know team a five times and we beat them every single time but they're still ranked higher and it kind of comes down to this where it's like well okay fine you're saying if you wanted to look at it small scale sure you're better than that person right because you beat them but like overall ranking you're not because you don't have those other wins that this other team has from all those other teams that they played that you may have lost, or maybe you never even played because you didn't, you decided to only play against this one team five times. Yep. Right. Those those five wins most likely, or those five wins against those, that team is most likely going to get you one comparative win. Yeah. Right. It's most likely going to, especially if that team is a really good team, it's most likely going to help you in comparative decisions against other teams in that region. What it's not going to do is help you elsewhere. Right. That team is going to be helped or is, is is helping themselves, I guess I should say, if they go beat other teams in other regions. Because, again, let's say, you know, Ian's not here today, but let's say me and you are in the central region and Ian's out west. OK, and I go play Ian, but you don't. If I go beat Ian, 
and Ian has 10 other friends out West that he's beaten. Now we've got a common connection, right? Because I've beaten Ian and Ian's beaten those 10 teams. I'm now somewhat connected to those 10 other teams or individuals, whatever you want to say while you're, you, you see, you see what yeah. I'm saying? It, it, that's how it works. So those connections are important. What about, cause I've heard coaches too, where, and this might not be necessarily a conversation for today, or maybe it correlates, but I had a coach come up to me at, at convention and ask, he played, I think he was division two or maybe he was three. I don't know. He, he was in division one, okay. but he was playing in, I think he had to be in division two. He was playing in division one and division three, I think tournaments. How does that affect? Cause it's not your same division, but so how does that work into the rankings then? Cause if, if you spend more time trying to play better opponents, does that help you or does it not count because it's just not in your division? That is a great question. And it is a question we get often. And it is absolutely a conversation for today because it fits <laughs> right in. Thank you for cool. asking Carolyn. Yeah. No problem. I, I so what I'm here for. Yes. So so you we 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 have this question every once in a while pop up because you will have D2 teams play in a D1 event. You'll have D3 teams playing D2. The one that's honestly most common is NAIA teams playing in D3 or D2 events. Mm-hmm. That's the one I see the most because not because they don't play their own NAIA tournaments, but I don't know if this is the, if this is correct. NAIA seems ambiguous to me. Like there's a wide range of of teams. Like there's some really, really, really good NAI teams. So like you would it'd be interest like be interesting to kind of slot, you know, like would this NAI team really be competing at a D1 or D2 level or a D3 level? Anyways, so essentially what happens in these scenarios, we only you only get a comparative win or comparative decision against teams in your own division. Right. So when we talk about D1 and we say there's 298 comparative wins available. We're only giving you a comparative win or loss against every other Division One team. You don't have a comparative record or or win or loss against the D two team. The only way that that helps you or plays into your ranking is we can use that team outside of your division as a common opponent when making a comparative decision against another team in your division. So again, let's use me, you, and Ian as the example here. Me and you are two D one teams. Um, and we both played against Ian, who's a D2 team. Okay. Neither of us are going to get a comparative decision against Ian. But when we're trying to figure out who's better between me and you, Ian goes into our common opponents filter with all the other D1 teams we may have played because he still is a common opponent. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we're not, yeah. So we're not getting a comparative decision against him. He's not going into our total of 298. But what about is, for him? Uh, same no, concept. Same, same concept. Same concept. So, so, so yeah. So you get that example of, and I hear this all the time. Hey, should I go, you know, we're a D2 team and we got an opportunity to go play in this D1 tournament out in Tampa, Florida, right? Should we go play? Depends on what you value. Right? I was going to say, what does it help? Like, does it help you? Or is it something that's really like, Hey, if you wanted like an offshoot one, just to see where you kind of play out there. Great. But I, I wouldn't make it like a, a constant or I common thing constant to either. do. Because so if you're if we're talking purely rankings, to me it's a it's a it's a waste of a week from a ranking standpoint, and 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 I and I say this all the time. Essentially, while everybody else is going out and getting, and I feel like I've said this before for other formats too, but essentially while you're you're out going or while other teams are going out getting fourteen head-to-head wins or losses and stroke differentials against teams in your division, you wouldn't got none, and you also use those as those as competition dates. So it's not like you got those days back. Right, they aren't free. Right. They're not free, free, right? (laughs) They're not free dates, right? So like even when we talk about 
the lack of head to heads at a match play event where again we'll be at Big Ten men or Big Ten uh yeah Big Ten men's match play they'll get four four head to head wins at least they're getting something Big Ten or Big Twelve at least they're getting something right and it's counting towards their competition days okay in a week where you're going to play in a different division and you're the only one there especially when you're the only one there you you're not helping yourself at all compound on that the scenario you were you you were talking about as well if you're that only team against again we'll just use the d2 to d1 example if you're the d2 team playing against d1 competition there's no guarantee that any other d team you've played d2 team you've played has played those d1 uh, teams right. so now even though it can help you in a common opponents filter it's most likely not because you're still hoping that another d2 team has played those d1 teams so if that's the only way it's helping you you're almost double wasting at that point now let's step away from the rankings part of it it's awesome from a team standpoint team morale i would recommend it 10 out of 10 would recommend right because it's awesome again i hate to say levels of golf but it's it, it is kind of a thing where if i'm a d2 team and i can go compete like i can't remember what tournament it is or what like it might be dbu where i know UND's done it before too well they'll go play in a d1 tournament and win the tournament right that's awesome like that's right. a morale boost that's that's bulletin board material that's all those sports cliches about kudos to you blah 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 rah rah that kind of stuff okay so i i absolutely understand it and would be all for it from that but just not making it a constant thing in your correct scheduling because because again you're gonna have to realize that yeah i'm I'm just simply not i'm not helping myself in my opinion from a ranking standpoint because i'm i am basically foregoing the chance to go get head head head-to-head wins and losses that week okay so you get bragging rights but not moving up in a it's not gonna help you it's not going to help you. Okay. Um, so yeah, that, that that's a great question. Make it memorable, gentlemen. So yeah, so just to kind of wrap it up, um, obviously we, we've, we've gone through the head-to-head. We've gone through, you know, your win-loss records. We've gone through your stroke differentials. You know, today we tried to focus more on, you know, how those common opponents uh, or how your records against common opponents go into your comparative decisions against each team. You know, I, I, I always think just because, you know, there's so many common opponents. That's where a lot of the data is. You know, you've got your one or two head-to-head wins or losses against one team, yes, but there's also 25 or more common opponents, and that's a lot of what that percentage is being made out made from. Okay, so the common opponents are, are, are very, very important. Um, I, I hope it was insightful, too, to kind of think about how it plays out differently between divisions because it can be a different a different kind of it can be a different scenario for all three you know when we're talking about how to the challenges of of getting common opponents against in each um against different teams in different regions from d1 to d2 to d3 is 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 different you know it kind of plays out i think mark you can even i think it's on our website on the coach's corner section i think he he even says it like the ranking is most accurate at the d1 level simply because they travel more you know what i mean and it starts to get you know, I hate throwing around the word accurate, but starts to get less and less accurate maybe as you get down to D3, just simply because of we're in more pockets, right? We're playing regionally regionally a lot more. We're playing the same teams a lot more. So something to keep in mind, something to to think about when you are, when you're kind of looking at your own scenarios. I think Carolyn had a great idea. Uh, I think what we're going to do for the next episode, you know, we get emails throughout the year um, once we start pumping out rankings of specific situations. Um, and I know, you know, Coaches typically 
hopefully appreciate when we answer their questions about their specific, you know, scenario that, that, that they have with their team. So we, we may um, anonymous, anonymously or not um, pull out some of those emails and, and, and talk through some of some of those scenarios that have, that have been presented to us. And then we've offered explanations to um, just to kind of, you know, maybe that'll, maybe that'll answer a question that, that some of our listeners have had in general as well. So uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. We've kind of reached our 30 minutes. Um, as always, we appreciate you for listening. If you've been uh, listening for this long, you might as well go and hit that follow button. And until next time, peace.